Welcome everybody to Web and Beyond Live. This is for October 19th, 2020. I'm Reese Sidney Smith, president of W3 Consulting. I'm also managing director of W3C Web Services, which provides affordable WordPress and other managed uh, web hosting, domain name registration services uh, for small business. And so uh, this is our National Cybersecurity Awareness Month series that we're doing here. And uh, to do that today, we have a jam-packed show. We have an action-packed show. Uh, and I'm pleased to be able to bring to the show for the first time, the first guest on Web and Beyond Live, um, attorney and cybersecurity expert, Michael Gipps. And so that you have all kind of a little bit of understanding of Michael, uh, uh, Michael Gipps is, uh, as I said, an attorney and cybersecurity expert. He brings 12 years of experience advising uh, chief security officers in his role as the founder of the CSO or the CISO Roundtable and CSO Center for Leadership and Development. He helps bring businesses and organizations, he helps businesses and organizations manage their online and offline security practices. And so uh, with that, I'm going to bring Michael onto the show. Hi, Michael. How's it going? Good, Ray. Uh, thank you. That was a great description. You encapsulated a whole career in about two sentences. So I appreciate that. <laughs> I try to be I try to be descriptive while still giving uh, brevity, right? And so uh, welcome to Web and Beyond Live and to this session. Uh, what we're really trying to do for folks is to help them help business owners uh, who are watching understand how to keep themselves and their staff safe online. And uh, so throughout our time together today, what I'd really like to do is to help them understand really the ongoing and uh, current state of you know affairs related to how we keep people safe online uh, in the context of having physical security and digital security kind of you know um, uh, bleeding uh, this cybersecurity threat on an ongoing basis and so to start us off with I, I wanted to talk a little bit about what are some of the kind of unique risks that you see small business owners uh, facing with themselves uh, their families, because you know a lot of them are working from home, they're home-based businesses, even if they're a retail shop, maybe they're a family business that has family members involved, employees and otherwise, when it comes to the digital and physical security environment. Well, Ray, uh, first of all, for the small businesses out there, keep going. It's a, uh, it's a tough time for everybody. Small businesses, as you know, are the lifeblood of United States and, and many other countries, I think something 80 or 90% of employees work for small businesses. And it's really the, the heart of innovation. I hope any of you who have needed uh, paycheck protection program loans have been able to get it. Uh, please persevere. We need small businesses. I'm, I'm trying to do my part. Okay, well, after that public service announcement, I do have five key areas that uh, I think uh, cybersecurity that that businesses should be aware of. And the backdrop here is not just the pandemic where everybody is working from home, but also in a time of civil strife. We have a politicized, very politicized electorate and a polarized electorate citizenry. We have racial justice protests. It seems like we have natural disasters. So we have a sort of a, a perfect storm of, and, and I don't want to beat this to death. We all know there's a meme 2020. What else can 2020 bring? Well, 2020 can bring people exploiting all of these things. And what they do very well is they appeal to our emotions, especially through phishing attacks. 
And we all know what a phishing attacks are. They've been around for a while. You get an email from a bank or a software company and it says you need to click on this or do this. You know, your account is being suspended or something like that. And they try to get you um, to give you a sense of urgency. And so you have to do something and click on something without really looking at it carefully, especially if you use that bank. It's yeah, you're 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 used to that logo, and they don't want you to look at it too carefully. The logo's a little off, or the, the return email address isn't right. And now they're taking advantage of our emotions. So a lot of them have to do with COVID. A lot of them have to do with Black Lives Matter. It's doing this or that, or you know, both positive and neg negative. And T for this, and T for that. Um, so you really have to step back and I have some, you know, some preventative measures or, or, or ways to tell that you're being fished. But really the most important thing is to be aware of it, sort of take step back, take a breath and show other people if you get a message like that and you're not really sure. My wife gets pinged by these sorts of things all the time and she sends it to me and says, is this real? And I tell her 99% of the time, it's not gonna be real, but every once in a while it is and it's important business, it's important to your business. So you wanna look at it carefully. Uh, the number two thing would be malware and malware is, uh, downloading malware, that's very closely associated with phishing because a lot of time phishing attacks want to get you to click on something that installs a piece of code in your computer that may take over your computer. It may infect files, it may, it may make certain files inaccessible to you. Um, uh, it can take control of your browser uh, and you can even harness the power of your computer to do other things and send out attacks uh, on other people's computers. Number three is ransomware. And you've no doubt heard about this. That's when a, uh, a hacker gets into your system and encrypts your, uh, your data and he has the key or she has the key and you don't. And to release it, they demand some sort of payment. And the FBI and law enforcement always tells you, don't pay it, don't pay it. That just encourages them. But if you have no alternative, if you haven't backed up your files, especially you don't know, have on the cloud, because a lot of small business, one, two person businesses like, ah, oh, no one's going to attack me. That's not true. I've seen anywhere from 40 to 70% of ransomware attacks are against small businesses. So that's a wide range, but it's still a lot. So you, you definitely want to watch out for that. And uh, one of the ways you can do that is, um, well, it's, I'll talk about some of the tools, but you always want to have a cloud backup. Number four uh, vulnerability is weak passwords. We all seen late night shows where you know people go up to people on the street and they say, okay, do you have a password? It's like, yeah, I have a password. It's like, well, what is it? So I can't tell you what my password is. It's like, well, can you tell me what it's like? Oh, it's the name of my cat. Oh, what's the name of your cat? George. Oh, so now I've got your password. I mean, George123. Um, kids' names, favorite sports teams, not a good idea. And I'll talk a little bit um, more about that later. Yeah, I always find it to be really fascinating that today the still the number one password in the world is password. <laughs> and then it's like password one, two, three, and then pass and then the passwords that are one, two, three, four, five. Uh, really, you know, you need to have secure passwords. It's so important. So a great point there. And what is extremely frustrating for me is that I have at least and, and I'm no different than anyone else, 100 accounts that have passwords. 
I have bank accounts. I have social media accounts. I have email accounts. I have my gym account. I have this and that, and everybody has all this stuff. And I'll talk about password managers later and the importance of not repeating passwords because I've been guilty of it. You know, I might say Ray Sidney Smith one, and then for one account, Ray Sidney says two, and I'll just go back and forth. You know, so if I ever forget it, okay, it's one of those two. For for uh, the record, it's not Ray Sidney Smith, and I hope yours isn't either. <laughs> if it um, is, I'm I'm flattered. <laughs> <laughs> it may be my next password. <laughs> and finally, the fifth one, which is my the, I think the most interesting one, is the insider threat. Um, it's often insidious because the person is already a trusted insider. You've already given the keys to the kingdom in a lot of cases, and they're working, uh, you know, from within. And for that, you need high staff security awareness. You have system of checks, uh, role-based access controls, anomaly detection. I'll, I'll talk to you a little about that. But if you don't think you could be attacked by an insider, I will tell you that I work with a business I'm a partner in another business where we've got 15 staff members. And on three separate occasions, we've had insider attacks stealing our data. And these are people that we vetted and people that we trusted and people who got uh, references from well-respected people. And they came in, they stole our data and they left and they sold it elsewhere. And that's very damaging to a small business. You're, you know, if data is your business, that could be crippling. So nobody is too small. Um, so yeah, those are the those are the top five uh, that I see as sort of the biggest threats to small business. Great. And uh, so moving moving right along, I, I want to talk a little bit about what are some of the things that knowing those attacks, knowing those unique risks that small business owners face. Uh, we're small, um, you know, businesses by virtue of of the name, right? We may be um, small in size, but we are big in impact. And my my curiosity is always around the idea of like, what can we do? What are the things that concretely we can do as business owners uh, to prepare, you know, like pre-attack or in the case of unwittingness, uh you know what I mean? We're, we're around these attacks happening. Uh, we see maybe the local pastry shop, uh, they, they were attacked, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that's not us. Uh, so we're unaware when in reality, we were emailing back and forth with the owner of that pastry shop, and we've already been infiltrated in some way, shape or form, whether that be by phishing or otherwise, um, some kind of email attack, we clicked on the link, you name it. Um, and so we're unaware, what are those things we can do to kind of level our um, cybersecurity resilience, our cyber resilience up in those cases? Sure. And you used a great word there, unwitting. I should have mentioned in my insider threat, uh, uh, point that two thirds of insider threat incidents are unwitting. So that's somebody who's manipulated, who uh, is negligent or just, you know, doesn't pay attention and may get a call from someone and say, hey, forward me to this person. Or, you know, you have to, the boss says you have to uh, pay this invoice or whatever. And they don't have an evil heart. You know, there's, there's no uh, mens rea to use a legal term. But they just don't do their due diligence. They don't pay attention and they just pass it on because they're trying to get their work done. And that's that's unwitting. But to get to the um, to the question, there are the first the most important aspect is a mindset. First of all, you're not you're not too small to attack. If you have any kind of asset, someone there wants it and it, it can't be too esoteric. You should also understand 
your operations processes and critical resources. But resource, if you were denied, would stop your business. So it's just like you want to be a risk manager. You have a small business. Everything you do is based on risk, whether to go for a certain market, to sell a certain product, offer a certain service, to appeal to a certain customer. You're doing, even if you don't know it, a cost-benefit analysis. You're, you're 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 doing a risk assessment. So you just want to be a little bit more um, conscious of 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 that process and say, here are, here are my critical operations processes resources, and what do I need to protect? And then the next step is to do a risk assessment, and that will dictate what measures you would take. So. You might identify your sensitive information, which could be customer lists, it could be sales strategies, it could be business plans, or it could be technical data. And then there's a whole bunch of things you can do in terms of software and hardware. Uh, you should definitely have antivirus software and keep it up to date, anti-malware. A lot of these things come in packages, so they, they combine anti-malware and, and antivirus. You should have a firewall, to keep uh, hostile traffic out, a VPN, that's a secure channel to communicate um, and likely encrypted. You should have up-to-date uh, uh, patch management. So that means when you have software, there, hackers are always trying to get into different pieces of software. They're always finding new ways in. And so um, you'll see, like, you know, when, with, with Microsoft, you may have to update every once in a while. They're updating it to um, install new patches. So you might have all sorts of different software. You want to have a patch management plan. The You also need to have documented policies and procedures. And I can't emphasize it enough that you should have you should have thought through policies and procedures, have written policies and procedures, communicated policies and procedures to your staff, and enforced policies and procedures. And we can talk a little bit more about that. Um, we talked a little bit about passwords. Uh, there are some good password management programs, so you don't have to remember 10 million passwords that have 100 numbers and letters and you know that you can't possibly remember. Um, and some of the best ones are Keeper, LastPass, Dashlane, Bitwarden. Those yeah. are ones that I trust. Um, and as a point of reference, yeah. just so people are aware, with, say, LastPass, I, I use LastPass in my own company, and that gives me the capability of not only managing both internally in, in, in my own personal life, but I can also then share passwords with other folks in my team. And LastPass has a really unique feature, which is that a lot of small business owners don't actually think about legacy planning and kind of what their exit strategy is, exit planning strategy. So if you are not thinking about that, LastPass does this function where it gives you the ability to turn ownership over to someone else in a number of cases, but particularly in, not to be morbid, but if you pass away, uh, it has a function that says, if I pass away, you just set it up, then you give access to this person when and if I do pass. And so there's just an easy function to pass all of those passwords because, you know, if you don't have, if I don't, ha I, you know, if I have my password to Facebook um, and that manages my Facebook page for my business, uh, it's locked if I'm the only admin and I pass away and you don't have access to it. So there are these other kinds of tangential risks that password managers really help solve in those cases. So That's a great point. And 
bit of a tangent, but if you could figure out how social media um, owners or social media companies can take deceased people off their roles, that would be significant because yeah. usually there's a lot of people just no one knows how to deal with them. And you try to, con you know, I happen to know quite a few people or, or some people who are still on LinkedIn and I know they passed away and it's kind of odd if people are trying to connect with them and it's almost otherworldly, but <laughs> that's a, that's a different story. Um, passwords again, you should be changing them every few months um, at a minimum. I'm a big fan of multi-factor authentication. A lot of you probably use that and don't know what it is, or just that's a fancy name for, if you put type in your password, you'll get something that says, um, are you typing in this password? Um, we're gonna send you a message to your phone or to your email. And it's just a double check to make sure that someone hasn't stolen your password. I guess if they've stolen your phone too, and they've gotten into your phone that they'd have both, uh, but that's much less likely. And you can use different methods of multi-factor authentication. It could be if your facial image, could be your fingerprint, um, or you can even have three-factor authentication if you really want to uh, tie it down really strongly. Um, endpoint security is just another way of saying lock down each device. It could be your laptop, your PC, a printer, because those are ways to get into the network as well. Um, I'm a big fan of cloud backups, putting your stuff, not just um, not just backing it up and make, putting it offsite, but having a cloud storage company that does that for a living. And if if they lose your stuff, they're losing a lot of people's stuff. That's their, that's their uh, you know, lifeblood and their, their reason being. So they are very good with your data. They make sure it's available um, whenever you need it. And they have very uh, robust defenses. And just uh, the last couple of things, you know, encrypt your wife, your encrypt your files, hide your Wi-Fi name so people can't get that and use a, a strong password on your Wi-Fi. Um, with the policies, make sure you enforce them. And another another thing to consider is cyber insurance. There's a lot of different policies out there. Some of them, you got to be careful what they cover and what they don't cover. So you have mm -hmm. to read them. And I would even suggest sort of a consulting with someone who knows what they're talking about, a, um, a, a cyber lawyer or someone who does consulting in that field to make sure you're, it covers what you want to be covered. Yeah, and I know a cybersecurity insurance person. So if anybody is uh, is curious, just reach out to me and I'll, I'll put you in touch with her. And, and that way you, you're speaking to someone who's knowledgeable. Great, great. So yeah, those are my uh, top 20 uh, in that field. So yeah, I, you, you bring up a really good good point regarding Wi-Fi uh, SSIDs. And so for those who, who are not aware, you know, you have, when you have your Wi-Fi network, both at home and at the office, uh, it is actually pumping out a public name. Uh, it's the Wi-Fi that you find, you know, you open up your phone, you, you are on your laptop, and you see that list of Wi-Fi IDs to connect to the internet. That is what Michael's talking about here. And you can turn that off. You can make it in essence, silent, and only by looking for the name do you then find it. Uh, and so that's a really, really great uh, tip there for being able to just uh, make make yourself less visible to the enemies uh, that are out and there. And Ray, just to, just to uh, dovetail from that or to springboard from that, if you go into a public place like an airport, you may be tempted to go on their Wi-Fi, oh, and yeah. people sit in there and they'll put in 
they'll create their own network that says airport Wi-Fi yeah. or, you know, BWI Wi-Fi or JFK Wi-Fi. You can't trust those things. These are people who are trying to access your system to a lot of, a lot of, in a lot of cases. And if they have an open network, especially, that means they're trying to lure you in. I mean, all airports do have Wi-Fi and, you know, they're legitimate to a certain extent, but they're not, they're not protected. And there's, there's just too much risk, you know, use your own, um, use your own hotspot or, or connect, um, you know, you know, you know, a lot of them have wired, you know, you can connect, you can um, plug in into a wired um, connection. So do that. It's very, I've, I've gone, <laughs> I'm not perfect. I've connected to wireless network and airport in public places. And fortunately, as, as far as I know, I haven't been exposed, but I, I try not to do that anymore. Those are desperate situations or use your data on your, on your phone to communicate instead of uh, a free Wi-Fi. Yeah, this is where using VPN uh, technology to be able to connect to. Uh, in in last week's episode, I talked about the Firewalla uh, uh, device that you can install in your home or office environment, and that actually gives you a free VPN, so you can actually tunnel through your own work or home internet access and then go out of there. So you're basically creating an encrypted channel between your device and your firewall device and then tunneling out. So it's going to be a little bit slower. There's no question, but you'll be secure and not, um, you know, accessing uh, things that you shouldn't be. <laughs> to all you are devotees of this show, this man knows what he's talking about. <laughs> I'm a little bit of a cybersecurity geek. So, you know, well what it is. Uh, so, so let's, let's talk about, um, the unfortunate case, which is the way most people come to me, right? You know, doing and being in the digital marketing and productivity technology space, people are constantly talking to me about different technologies that they're using. And ultimately, that means that they are either aware of cybersecurity or they're not. And most people fall into the vast majority of they're not, right? Mm -hmm. They're unaware of, of it. And so they're impacted. And then they come to me and they're like, oh my gosh, Ray, I've just been impacted by X, right? We've clicked on an email and now we're getting the blue screen or um, I've gotten this before, you know, uh, the the screen, you know, I get a message on screen and it's telling me that it has uh, watched me, um, you know, for some period of time and it has recordings of me and recordings of my screen. And if I don't pay them, they're going to go ahead and release this information to the, to the wider web. Uh, what do people do when they have to respond to, in essence, what is a cyber crime? And, uh, and so what do they do in these cases? What's, what should they, uh, jump into action and do those first few time, first few minutes, first few hours, first few days when they are impacted and probably quite frightened? Yeah. Well, what they usually do is panic. Not that they yes. should do that. Uh, if you can avoid the situation, obviously, you you. That's why we're talking now. So you uh, are doing preemptive things, precautionary things, because there's something like sixty percent of small businesses go belly up after a significant cyber attack, and it's because of not just lost revenue from downtime but it's the cost of remediating, fixing everything, getting things back to us and maybe paying a, uh, paying a uh, ransom and it's reputational damage. It's like, man, I, I stopped using a security intelligence service when they got hacked, they got hacked and my, my emails got put on um, WikiLeaks. I didn't say anything. It was nothing, nothing fancy, nothing top secret, but I don't want my name on WikiLeaks. I stopped using them. That was a tremendous, you know, um, 
reputational hit for them. And they were a small business, just a few people. But first you want, thing you want to do is notify law enforcement, get them involved. Um, you also may want to start segmenting. Um, if you take down everything, if you lock up your system immediately, they may know that um, if, if you haven't gotten sort of a, an express warning or like, hey, we're in your system and we're, they may be, you may detect them. They may not know you and that, that you've detected them. So you don't want to necessarily take everything down and they'll know and they'll start racing and, and, and trying to corrupt everything or steal everything they can. You might want to start segmenting things slowly, taking away your, your um, most important data, most important files and, and getting it to where they can't reach uh, um, uh, network segmentation. Um, if you, so once you've done that, um, then you know the, what they can access is is a lot tamer. But you also you next want to figure out how the hacker got in, uh, and you should probably hire a, a like you probably don't have the staff expertise uh, on hand, so you probably want to ex hire an external consultant and then seal the path. Uh, and when you're sure you, you're safe, don't use the data that's that's. You know, that's uh, current, use the last iteration of your backed up data because it could have been tainted, changed, contaminated, uh, or whatever. Um, so so I just want to underscore yeah. this. You're, you're talking about this in a timeline where if you have effective backups, and I, I really believe in a threefold model of backups, you're talking mm -hmm. about kind of a, an up, up uh, in the cloud style backup system and uh you know whether you have air gapped systems or cold storage um and I'll, I'll explain those terms in a moment but you know when we're, when we deal with those um areas the backup is so crucial here right current backups but even if the backup is for you know your most recent accounting software uh you know that can be a week old and you can catch up and fix those pieces mm -hmm. but you can't you can't run your business if it's destroyed all of the data so yes there's always going to be an impact in terms of lost data um, especially when you're working from from backups usually um you know not always so so there's usually going to be some kind of data loss because you're going to go to the most recent backup but you're way better off off using the backup than, da than data that has been infiltrated and potentially maligned. Uh, and so cold storage is when we take storage of a backup or of any file and we disconnect it from the devices. So it's not connected in any way, shape or form to the internet or to another device. Um, air gapping is when we actually take the uh, computer or the device, the computing device, and we disconnect that from the network or the internet um, uh, as a whole. So that's a, that we talk, talk about air gapping is that it's li literally physically um, next to Hold maybe the, the device. Yeah. Right, exactly. But it's yeah. not connected to other connect connections um, that would allow people to communicate with it. So we can use these types of devices. You may have some air gap devices just by virtue of their age or the fact that they're <laughs> not connected to the internet, right? Um, I have some zip disk drives, I'm sure, that are air gapped uh, <laughs> because they were just, they're just sitting there as cold storage at the present moment so um but continue on i just want to make sure folks knew how important that is in terms of response is is in that backup strategy and so many people don't pay attention to backup right and obviously the more you back up the more frequently you back up the better off you'll be now maybe if you're a really small business you can afford to back up every once once a week or something or two weeks but for the most part you'd be backing up daily don't don't back up once a month there's there's too much. You'll miss it. Um, it's 
you know, that, that you're just courting disaster. Um, and probably the most overlooked part of this is reaching out to customers who may be affected. And you think, you know, if I tell the customer, they're going to think that, you know, I don't have good security. I'm not taking care of them. You know, um, I'm not trustworthy. I'd actually say it's the exact opposite. If you don't tell them and they find out you've lost their trust, you've lost, probably lost their business forever. Just like that company that, you know, I didn't know that my uh, information had gone onto WikiLeaks. So I'm not, I'm not using them again. Yeah, um, credibility is so important here. And there are also in every every state in the union, at least, we have data breach notification laws now. So you need to pay attention to what those the, what those uh, what your legal requirements are to make notification of those uh, related to any personal identifiable information about your customers and clients. So so yeah, so even when you don't maybe want to, uh, for for best practice, you know, you probably should uh, for compliance issues. And, th and think of most of the major scandals out there. It always comes from the cover-up. It doesn't right. come from the actual <laughs> event. I mean, the actual event could be bad, but it's 10 times worse when, you know, you hear, oh, they knew about it for six months or they didn't say anything. And, you know, my my um, files were out there. My, my information was out there and for, for, for a long time. And my credit card was the number was available to, you know, on the dark web or whatever. And no one told me then that's so much worse. So, yeah, yeah that... And there are credible reasons for keeping that, right? Like, so if you contact the FBI and the FBI asks you to withhold that data from your customers because they're trying to find the cyber criminal, right. that's different, okay? So that's very different. Uh, right. But if this right. is just, you know, a smash and grab style malware attack uh, and you've contacted authorities and they've closed the case on this, you you should at the minimum follow your the, the law in terms of data breach notification but beyond that i mean just from a credibility perspective you need to tell people you know um i i i, I noted um a couple of years ago we had a fire in our building and, and it damaged our office and uh and that wasn't a data breach but it was a, a data security issue mm -hmm. you know like we wanted to make sure that people understood what we were doing and why we were doing it and so we went above and beyond and you know i know the stuff so i'm i'm much more likely to do it but uh, and we're prepared for those things but we wanted to give people assurance no nobody's data was impacted you know all we had complete you know 100 percent uptime throughout the whole ordeal uh, but that's how you want to do it, for, whether it's a natural disaster, uh, whether it's a, a, a fire in your building, whether it's a, a malware attack. You want to make sure that you are doing all the things right so that this is just like uh, I always think about it from being an astronaut uh, and you're taking off the in a spaceship. Right. You have a checklist of things and they are done in such a, a rudimentary position. Right. It's just like one, two, three, four, five, you do this whenever this stuff happens, and then it becomes easy because you're just following very simple steps for being able to respond to any kind of disaster in the business. And of course, a cybersecurity or cyber criminal uh, uh, activity uh, that happens in the business is by its nature, um, a disaster, uh, whether you like it or not, and we should treat it as such. So I, I love that. I love that notion. All right. So continuing on. Yeah. So that's, um, th those are my top tips for, um, for responding. Wonderful. Um, yep. I want to I talk about some of the things that 
uh, small business owners can do to protect themselves both per both both personally and professionally um, in in kind of staying secure. And we can we've talked a little bit about these, but maybe we can kind of di dive into some of the tools that you use um, in in order to be able to do that and uh, and really kind of kick the tires on those pieces. Uh, and then we can talk a little bit more about how business owners can do that not just for themselves but for their employees. So let's start off with with small business owners themselves. What can they do to protect protect themselves uh, professionally, personally, and their family in in this environment, in this basically high threat environment? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up family because in during days of COVID, everybody's working at home, and the same devices are being shared. So your child may be doing schoolwork on the same computer that you do work on. Uh, someone may be on social media. We're passing around the same phones, we're passing around the same tablets, laptops, sharing PCs. You know, you've got um, kids gaming on the wired version, and you want to use the one that's wired into the, you know, hardwired into the internet. And we're seeing a lot of issues arising from that. Stuff being shared or sent uh, by mistake. I've seen cases with small businesses where someone did a screenshot and they put it on social media because they had something they, I don't know, a video or something. And there was a sensitive piece of information, a document um, for that was important to the parent of the house. And it got on social media and somebody saw it, knew what it was, and they used it. And to the, to the great, great detriment of, uh, of, of this small business. So just simple things like that, you know, kids will, uh, if they share your, your, or even spouses, if they share the same computer, they'll send the wrong email or they'll, there's a million and one things that they can do that, um, that can compromise your information or compromise your security. So the first thing you want to do is if possible, use different devices, um, maybe even have certain different in my house we have different rooms and my daughter who goes to school has an office my wife has an office i have an office we don't use each other's devices because we don't want to um you know we don't want to mix we don't want to mix anything up mix and match confuse things or get anything out there that that shouldn't be so that that's one uh basic thing to do and if you a lot of Times people don't have that luxury, of course, or they don't have multiple devices. What you could do is um, you can segregate files, you can segment your network, you can have certain people use one part of the network, certain people use other. And I would strongly recommend that if you own the computer and let your your say your children use the device, you keep the administrative, you work on the administrative settings or have. Um, have administrative settings and then uh, settings for each of the users. So you might have administrator, then you might have your own name, then you might have your children's names or whatever, and give them limited access. Don't let them download uh, files from the internet, download software from the internet. Just basic things like that, that, that could corrupt your computer, uh, your files. So we're seeing so much of that as everybody tries to do everything from work at home. And I can't, emphasize that enough. And so, so um, just to clarify here, what you're saying is that people should have different accounts uh, with different levels of permissions on those accounts and that the 
the general use accounts should be non-administrators uh, so that people can not worry about kids or even yourself you know like i don't use administrator accounts for my everyday computer because mm -hmm. i don't need it uh, right and so uh it's kind of the the law of least privilege right so like what i need least to get done i use and that allows me that protected space to be able to make mistakes it's kind of like a sandbox, sandbox and uh, yep. it keeps me keeps me safe um and uh this is not on the on the browser level. So you'll see that many times browsers have the ability for you to have different profiles. I know that Google Chrome does, and I'm the Google Small Business Advisor for Productivity, and I'm one of the Google Chrome product experts, and so I do a lot in Chrome. Uh, but if you have those little, um, you see your little profile icon in the top space of Chrome, everybody who's logged into that account has access to that. So you're not any more or less privileged. Uh, everybody has the same rights on that level. It's on the user profiles. So you're logging in and out of those different profiles. And it's very effective at being able to protect uh, from one one user to the other and not having this kind of um, crossover event. Yes, the excellent, excellent distinction between browser level and the, um, uh, the, the user profile at the... This is when you log into your computer. So exactly, yeah, exactly. At, at the very basic level, um, there, you know, some of the other things I that I wanted to dig into is um, uh, ransomware. I may be going off with a little bit of your question, but ransomware is spiking right now. Uh, it's probably you know after phishing, it's becoming the one of the most um, prevalent uh, attack vectors or attack types. And, and they're usually used in combination, right? Like they're, yes. they're basically, they're using one to get the other, so. Exactly. So if you get targeted, um, the average ransom demand for a small business is $116,000. That's a lot of money for, for anybody, if mom and pop business, maybe if you're talking a business that's a small business can technically be 500 people, right? Um, still, it's not a comfortable payment. No one wants to make it. And it's very controversial. The FBI's law enforcement tell you never to pay it. But I, from my um, experience, most companies pay it because they have no other choice. And you know, larger companies have paid multi millions of dollars for for many reasons. One is they want the data, but they also don't want the um, you know the uh, ignominy, the shame, the public humiliation. And the loss of credibility, if it gets out, um, and you know that's what happened. Say with um, in the Sony hack years ago, they started leaking information about salaries of I think directors and um, actors, and they started actors started saying the women were paid less. Surprise, surprise, right? Mm -hmm. And that caused a firestorm. You know that caused terrible uh, publicity. Probably worse than the fact that they had weak security, you know, that that they got hacked. So um, that's that's a follow-on issue, but it's incredibly important. I wouldn't want to go on record saying that you should pay it. Uh, and the the party line is you shouldn't pay it, but a lot of companies have uh, because you can't be sure they're not going to, you know, that that. You're not going to be sure they're going to release your data, right? Um, and a lot of go ahead. Please go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, yeah, so I'll I'll play the devil's advocate here, which yeah. is to which is to say that um, while 
one of the things that I, I continually hear is the argument among uh, data, you know, data security and cybersecurity experts about whether you pay the ransom or don't pay the ransom and so on and so forth. And um, the data is showing us that some um, unfortunate cyber criminals are taking the ransoms and then not doing a couple of things. One is they release the data anyway. Uh, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is a which is a whole other issue, um, mm-hmm. or they don't have the encryption keys because they're 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 the smash and grab types, right? So they are they are not sophisticated. We have um, basically ransomware as a service. There are companies that are out there. This is you know this is entrepreneurial uh, at its very <laughs> nature, right? Uh, but we have basically ransomware um, folks who uh, go to these companies and they in essence, find them clients, basically low-hanging fruit, you know, businesses and, and computers that are out there not protected. They go ahead and, and do the ransomware for them, and then they get a cut of the business. So this is now so monetized because of the development of cryptocurrency as kind of a core function here, uh, that is, you know, digital currency today. Um, we have people who are out there who are getting access to your devices, who are turning this into a business operation. So you have to be very mindful of the fact that ransomware may end up hurting you all three ways, right? Um, both as a credibility hit to your in a, a public relations perspective, um, your data getting corrupted and you're not getting access to that data, and then you paying for it, um, and then of course never getting your data back. So we or having it released, right? Yeah all, yeah, all to say that what Michael's talking about is that it's muddy waters. You know, everybody has to navigate this through their own path, and you have to get legal counsel involved, you should get federal and uh, state and local authorities involved to be able to make the right decisions here. Uh, it's a really unfortunate circumstance. And you know, people like Michael know what they're doing. You should talk to those people and make sure that you make the right decisions as you're going down that, that chain of events. But certainly, if you're impacted, immediately get help because if you haven't done all the things that Michael talked about earlier, right, um, in terms of hardening your, your security, um, you really need to make sure you do the right things on the other side of that. Yeah, don't go this alone. This is make or break for your business yeah. uh, in so many different ways. I like yeah, rent, you know, ransomware as a service. That that really that's really what it is. Yeah, and yeah. It, it and you know it's spun off into yeah. The people don't have keys. It's just smash and grab. That's a great point. Yeah. It's being um, routinized. You know, it used to be the sort of special. You know, you have to have, um, be sort of sophisticated. Now any kitty can do it. A script kitty is just a term for uh, a novice hacker who takes their tools off of the internet that are readily available. Uh, there won't be a test on that term at the end. <laughs> uh, what else can we go into? Sure. So so I want to, I want to, um, we're coming up on, on the end of time and I want to give some time. Mm-hmm. I'm watching over here with questions from folks. And so, um, so I wanted to just ask one of my final questions for you mm-hmm. um, before we go into the other questions, which is really, what do you do for employees then? How do you, how do you help employees stay uh, productive and secure? And I believe the two of them are by, uh, tightly bound together. Uh, what what are some some practices that small business owners can do? Because what I've heard on the street, you know, like out there in the uh, <laughs> in the wild, is that business owners want to keep their employees productive, but by by in, kind of um, enforcing all of these cybersecurity policies on top of them, it's created a sense of fear that keeps them from actually being productive, right? And so, what are some of the things that business owners can do to kind of tightrope walk that? those functions of being safe while still being secure. Right. So first of all, I like to see, you know, policies and procedures are essential. 
policies and procedures, I see them as like, say you have a lifestyle, you have a lifestyle program. I'm going to eat well. I'm going to eat vegetables and, and fruit and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to drink eight glasses of water a day. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to have, you know, see my family and friends and, and do these things for my mental health. Those are policies and procedures. Actually following through with them is the, um, you know, is, is not the enforcement, but the, um, the sort of the act, the activation of that. I have to actually do those things. I have to work out. I have to can't eat, you know, brownies all day. I, I have to get eight hours of sleep, not four hours of sleep. And you want to encourage, you don't want this to be punitive. So doing the same thing, cyber hygiene shouldn't be punitive. It actually should be fun. Uh, and there are ways you can do it. There are you can give people rewards. You can put in, you can do phishing, fake phishing attacks. Now, first of all, you want to do training so you know what phishing looks like for your employees, know what phishing looks like. Um, you want to give them the tools that could, um, you know, that can prevent this sort of thing. But make it more of like a game and make it something that can they can win. Give them a $20 gift card if they identify a uh, phishing attack or a fake phishing attack. That's nothing compared to what you could lose in the event of a real attack. When you do training, make it continuous and make it fun and, and make it personal. I, um, I ran security for, um, for a small company uh, recently, and we would do training where we made it. We did a different game show every time. So one day we did Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And... You know, we'd go through which of these is most likely to be, you know, um, to have the elements of a phishing attack. Which of these is, you know, a, a malware? And then you get sort of, you get up to the harder and harder questions. And we had asked the audience, you know, we had 50-50, you know, um, uh, the whatever the, the other lifeline was. And everybody got into it. And we had real prizes as you mm. went along. And everybody was engaged. Oh, this is when we could still meet in person. But you can do this virtually as well on a Zoom call. We've had the same thing where we've done Jeopardy. We've done, um, we've done you know, sort of other exercises. So to get people to retain information, you have to keep refreshing it. And you have to make it something that you have to get engaged them. So there's the common expression, you know, you tell them they forget you show them, you know, whatever. It's like, I forget what it is, but you have to engage them. They learn and they apply it and use the carrot and not the stick. And, you know, don't shame somebody. Everybody, anybody can make these mistakes. We've probably all made mistakes where we've clicked on the wrong thing. People want to learn. They want to be humiliated. They want to be encouraged and don't make it a chore. Make it part of, you know, it's, it's as important as, whatever you do during the workday, you know, for your job, it's not, it shouldn't be an obstacle. It shouldn't be a burden. It shouldn't be sort of, you know, a, um, uh, you know, jumping through hoops to get your work. It should just be, you know, a, a natural part of your, your everyday workday. Yeah. I'll give a good example, which is that in my own business, we, uh, I'm sorry, this isn't a past business, but it, it still applies to this one as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but in, in my old business, I was in real estate and uh, in, in a title agency and my business partner had her law practice attached to our title agency. And so we would send our staff to a wide variety of uh, um, learning 
experiences, whether they be conferences and workshops and seminars and other that, other things, and actually a wide variety of disciplines, right? Because we were we, we we had the insurance business and the real estate world, but we also had uh, you know paralegals and other folks doing other things and attorneys doing other things, and uh, then marketing and and technology and whatever. And we would actually bake in little cybersecurity components into all of these pieces. So every time someone came Perfect. back from yeah, every time someone came back from an event, uh, you know they would have to not only explain what they learned, but how we did it securely in our environment, right? That was the challenge. And, you know, people are actually quite savvy once they're given the kind of the perspective of thinking about it that way, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, okay, so we want to implement this marketing tool. Well, how secure is it? How secure is their database? How secure is it for our clients to inter interface with that? And how is it going to be secure on our on our on our devices? And once people start thinking about it from that security perspective, like how could someone? Okay, well, we want to buy new equipment. Can someone just like run into the office and grab it and run out? And what data is it going to have? Right? Those are the kinds of things that once you make it a part of the culture, people start thinking about it on every uh, level, and it actually helps them to not only self police but feels um, empowered to catch crimes as they're happening because I, I can't um, kind of impress upon people enough. These are cyber crimes that are happening. When when these malware actors are coming after your business, they are committing crimes. And um, and this is criminal activity. And you, just like any good citizen, should be vigilant to when crime is happening. Uh, just because you can see someone smash a, a windshield or a side mirror, a side uh, w a window in a car and grab a CD player out of it, um, this is dating me back to the, the 80s. Uh, <laughs> I grew up in Brooklyn. That's what they right. did. Uh, no, no, no radio in car, right? Little signs. <laughs> uh, you know, like you know, like that. You would you would call the police if you saw that kind of thing happen. These are the same kinds of uh, of things. You would be you need to be vigilant and and stay ahead of those kinds of things. So, um, very much appreciate your comments there, Michael, on that. Yeah, and not only are they the same, they're probably much more destructive, much more valuable. You know, you steal a radio, what is that, $100 and a few hundred dollars in repairs? You steal data, that's priceless. And, uh, you know, the remediation uh, of your system, make sure no one can get into it, you know, and protecting your reputation afterwards. That's, um, you know, the, the, the difference is logarithmic in, um, in you know, in, in, Effect monetarily and in in, uh, in in reputation and other factors. That was a brilliant example you gave, and the beauty of it is that everyone says this in security that security is everyone's business, but in small business it really is because there's often no security person. You'll have a person, you know, the i the IT guy or gal. You might have a couple of those. Yeah, they do security, but that's you know, uh, you know, big businesses have whole security departments, have whole IT security departments, physical security departments. And the IT people don't do security because they say IT security, IT is a conflict of interest because they have competing, you know, competing objectives. So you're giving an IT person a ton of responsibility if they're, you know, if they're solely responsible for security, they can't possibly do it alone. So really in a small business, everyone has to be empowered to think about security and to act on it. And, and it starts with education.
Fantastic, fantastic. I want to ask a couple of questions that are coming in uh, before we close out. Sure. Uh, one of the, yeah, one, one, one question coming in that I've seen uh, several folks ask is about uh, some tools. They're asking about some of the tools that you use and kind of recommend for them to be able to stay on top of things like phishing attacks and, and other things that you noticed here. What are some of the sure. tools that you use? Uh, I personally use uh, a vast um, business antivirus, and it contains... It, uh, all these tools contain a lot of things. So it's not just antivirus. It has a firewall. It has a web shield, has email shield, anti-spam. Um, it, it looks for, you know, attacks on, on your Wi-Fi network and it's cheap. It's only $40 for de per device, I believe, but there's a lot of other good ones. Um, you could use malware bytes and the, a lot of these, the basic services are free. They'll keep pestering you to, to buy it. And it's really worth it for how little it costs. I mean, it might be $50 a device generally a year or $75, but Malwarebytes makes a good one for, um, for anti-malware. Kaspersky Small Business is good. Um, Norton makes Norton 360. Um, Bitdefender is another good one. Uh, and McAfee, I like McAfee Total Protection also. It includes antivirus it includes password manager features um and it uses machine learning i believe um to identify code that might be trying to cause problems uh, on your computer so it sort of detects uh, anomalies on your network and it says oh this could likely be this is an unusual activity and you might want to look into it so there's a lot of very sophisticated tools and they're all good so i recommend highly getting one of them um, get at least one of them. They're all the ones I mentioned. Are all good. There, there are quite a few others as well. But I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't run any business without that basic software. So I'm gonna um, uh, ask a, a, one more question, and then we're gonna have to close out. So I'm sure. I apologize to everybody who asked all these great questions in the in the chat, but um, we are running out of time. So. Um, you you talked a little bit about some of the policies that that folks should have, and there's there there have been several questions here about um, what are some of those policies? What are the policies that you recommend that a small business owner has, uh, kind of top line? What are the maybe top two to three cybersecurity policies that are, that should be in place? Sure. So I would say probably the one and two are access control and bring your own device. Access control. Um, allows people access to the network based on their roles and responsibilities. So if you have a finance person, obviously you want to give them access to, you know, the financial software, um, maybe not to other pieces of software that they're not, you know, they like their learning management system or something that they don't really need to get into um, or they're not trained to use. So sort of like, um, uh, a permissioned level of access yeah, or, or need to know or need to have information. So that that's critical. Now within the, in the financial, I use that as an example, you never want one person to have access to that because for the, you know, for, for the uh, shenanigans that it can cause misappropriation or setting up fake accounts or false vendors. So you always want to have uh, what's called at least a two man rule. People, reviewing each other in when, whenever there's, um, you know, uh, finances involved. So they, they double check or even more than that. So they can't be working in cahoots. So role-based access control. The second one is bring your own device policies. 
because companies are, are especially small companies, are not handing out uh, phones, distributing smartphones. And everyone's got different software on their phones. Everyone's using different a network. They've got different apps. And a policy should um, clarify um, what are you know permissible uses of the phone, um, what should be accessed, how do it interfaces with the corporate network, um, even things like um, what it's going to be paid for by the company. So uh, bring your own device access control, two of the biggest ones. And a lot of the other policies have to do with updating software. Um, uh, they might also have physical access control implications, like talking about if you have a server, uh, if you have a server, physical access, physical access control of servers. So you have to have um, certain kind of locks on the door or, um, you know, there, there are a million different kind of policies and I can make available a sample policy for both cyber and the physical aspects of cybersecurity. Um, if you're, um, if your listeners and viewers uh, want to review that. Fantastic. Yeah. And I always, sure. I always say to folks, uh, bake it in. So like there are policies in house that we have in our, both our employee manual, as well as in our, our normal uh, owners, you know, the, the handbook for the company. And we have little cybersecurity snippets all throughout there. You know, there are points mm -hmm. where it'll say, you know, if you are creating uh, your G Suite account uh, and uh, now Google Workspace, uh, these are things that you have to make sure, these are the roles you're allowed if you're in these particular categories. And so it's kind of baked into every little bit of it. We just make sure that at every chance we have, the policy matches up with the, with the actual operations manuals as well. And it's just really nice for us to be able to see those pieces. Now it creates a little bit of administration because you got to update them in in different places and keep it up to date but you know at the end of the day this is your business if you're trying to make sure that you're you're staying in business don't don't get hit with these cybersecurity incidents uh, that are going to cause you to end up out of business because of it um, and so yeah Any, anything else you wanted to share michael yeah the final thought is i guess don't think of it as a pain as just yet another thing to do because we've all been in that mindset when early on in my career, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. This is just, you know, taking away time from, you know, the productive time, but everything's part and parcel of the same thing now. It's, it's security is so important. It should be, you know, uh, it should be uh, uh, ingrained in your business. It should be, um, you know, it, it should be uh, sewn into the fabric of your business. So it's not even a cost of doing business. It's a, an advantage of doing business. It's, peace of mind for your employees. It's letting them know that you're, you're, you're taking care of them. It's um, uh, projecting a, a, a good reputation to the public and it's being a good corporate citizen. So if you think of it that way, adding value rather than being sort of a drag and something that just costs you time and money, it's, it's a better perspective. Yeah, so we can we can make a death taxes and cybersecurity. <laughs> well, yeah, that, I don't know about that. <laughs> Uh, All right. Maybe flip it around. But... There you go. There you go. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, cybersecurity yeah. before, uh, certainly before <laughs> death, maybe not before taxes. Uh, but um, is, this has been a real pleasure, Michael. Thank you for joining me here on Web and Beyond Live. And so for those folks who would like to uh, keep up to date with your work or connect with you, how can they do so? Yeah, you could find me on LinkedIn. Um, if you can shoot up my, uh, yeah, you got it right there. Uh, that's my preferred way. You can, uh, I have a, 
I have a podcast as well that I do uh, with um, Inside Access Control. They host it and check in if you want to, you know, if, if, if you think you're, uh, you got what it takes to be a guest, I'd love to have you. We talk about security issues as it interfaces other areas like law, uh, media, leadership, technology like AI, or, or just tune in. And uh, you can also check out my website. It's gipsinsights.com. I believe uh, you showed a page earlier on, so it shows you what I do. But feel free to get in touch with me. I'd love to chat with you and see what your needs are, or just if you're interested in this industry, help you, um, you know, help you get your feet wet or, or move you along. Fantastic. I'm I'm playing around with all these various pieces to show on screen. But uh, for those of you who are listening to the podcast afterward, uh, it is it is the insider control access. Was that right? inside control? In, inside uh, access control. Inside Sorry. access control. Yeah. <laughs> inside <laughs> access control. And, and uh, yeah, my my um, particular podcast is called Global Insights in Professional Security, which is easy because it's G I P S. Uh, the acronym, which is my last name. So Global Insights and Professional Security, which is also the name of my company and my website. So I try to Fantastic. keep it simple. Yep. Yes. And if you want to find um, uh, Michael on LinkedIn, it's linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Michael Gips, G-I-P-S. So if you're listening, please, you can please go ahead LinkedIn, and find yeah. him there. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, and so uh, with that, um, thank you, Michael, for joining uh, me here on the show. It's been a real pleasure, Ray, and a great dialogue. You know your stuff. I, uh, I'm, I'm very <laughs> impressed. Well, thank you. you thank you. You added a lot. You added a lot. I, I appreciate that. All right. So that um, was Michael Gipps uh, from Gipps Insights. And uh, just a couple of closing announcements uh, before we uh, do close out. Um, so I just have a few things here that I wanted to make note of. Uh, next week, we are going to close out our National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, which is brought to you by the National Cybersecurity Alliance and, and CISA, which is a cybersecurity infrastructure and security agency um, in the federal government. Uh, so they host this month every, every uh, October to keep up our cybersecurity awareness. Uh, but next week, I'm, I have the pleasure of kind of talking about the flip side of this. I, I think Michael talked a little bit about this, which was kind of like, what are the business advantages of being cyber resilient? And uh, and so I'm going to have Vince Chrysler, who's the CEO of Dark Cubed. He'll be joining me here next week to talk all about that stuff. So please join me there. If you have any um, questions or anything else like that, uh, I, I think I've noted this in the past, but it's good to just remind everybody. Um, I run a small, uh, um, you know, digital community for small business owners, all around digital marketing and productivity and other fun things. You can join us by going to www.webandbeyond.community. Uh, the .com is .community, and you can go ahead and join. And it just you have to fill out a little form. It'll say, you know, get approved. I'll approve you. You'll join us, and you can always ask questions about digital marketing, any of the other things. Um, we'll be back in November. To our normal regular programming about digital marketing. <laughs> I know that we've been focusing on cybersecurity this month on those issues, but it's really important that I think you all get uh, a handle on all of this. So I'm really appreciative of you uh, joining us and sticking around. Uh, and so with that, uh, I'm going to say that we've come to the end of our time together this week. Um, if you've enjoyed the live stream, feel free to click the thumbs up and that helps us to find new small business friends. And so thank you for doing that. If you have a question or a comment, feel free to tweet at me at W the number three consulting W B3 Consulting on Twitter. I'm always on Twitter, so you can always uh, message me there. Uh, and then uh, you can join us every Monday, typically at 11 a.m. Eastern. 
Unless otherwise noted on our social channels, we do come to you live every 11 a.m. Eastern on Mondays. Thank you so much for spending this Web and Beyond live with me, this special National Cybersecurity Month Awareness Month uh, episode. I'm Ray Sidney Smith on behalf of W3 Consulting and our subsidiary W3C Web Services. Uh, here's to a great week ahead, marketing and managing on the Web and Beyond. Take care, everybody.